You're now listening to the Alive Youth Podcast. of the photo of those beautiful people and then the, the, t- the what do you call that? that? Like the Full House logo, like from the actual TV show. Um, so good. Does anyone here watch Full House? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty old now, but they made a new one and so it kind of got it in the spotlight again. Um, I've only watched a little bit of it um, and I have found it enjoyable. I think I'm going to return to it. But the Olsen twins were very cute in that. And um, it's, it's pretty fun to watch. I ha- has anyone watched the new one? Blur House? Yeah? Do we rate it? <laughs> mixed mixed responses. Cool, cool. I'm just getting set up over here with all my post-it notes. Pastoral reckons I need an iPad, but I reckon I'm okay. Don't need to be so digital all the time, right? <laughs> yes, Sinead. Sinead has got my back. Hey, how amazing is our live youth band. Oh my gosh, right? Come on, show them some love. How much do you love them? You know what? If I was going into a literal battle, I would totally want them to go first because in the Bible, that's what they did. It seems not logical, but they sent out the musicians first and they praised God and they made a way Welcome back. I'm glad you came back. Um, And I'm glad for anyone who comes back, but I only just got the chance to say hi. So hi. Hey. Um, And so that's what they did in the Bible. It was important. Praise and worship going before anything else. And that, um, that is a strong thing for us to do, to praise and worship God, you know, before we do other things, because it gets us ready and it makes a declaration. And so I just love our team. I love their dedication. And I know that, you know, soon, I don't know exactly when, but soon-ish, you're going to see some new faces on the team as well, which is super exciting. And um, yeah, we just, we love you so much and our whole youth team's incredible. And I could just stand here talking all about that really. But Full House. So Full House was inspired because we have uh, three definitive um, Fs that describe us, which are fun, family and faith. And family is something that we are focusing on. And Full House, obviously, is a TV show about a family. Um, that's a bit unique. And we're a bit unique here at Alive Youth too, so that kind of works. Um, and so family, our value of family is super important. You know, obviously, we're not all related um, by blood here. We're not all literal cousins or something. Um, that would be funny. But we are a family because of Jesus. We're a family because of what he did for us. And we're a family because we are committed to each other here in this place. And I love that and I see that um, already. I see that in this room. And so some of the things that are evident in our family culture that we wrote on our signs that we have in the youth office, it says, it starts with you. So if you guys weren't here, we would be a pretty small family. Our youth leaders who are adults in the room um, are amazing, but there is a lot more of you than there is of us. And so Family starts with you. You're a part of this. You're part of being a culture setter with us. We can't do it on our own. 
You're part of what makes this family so incredible and so unique. And every single person that's in this room, whether it is the first time you've been here or you've been here a lot, you matter in this family. You matter being part of a live youth. It wouldn't be the same without you. So it starts with you. As a family, we're loving. So we're going to get into that a lot through this series. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does it actually mean to be loving the way that Jesus said to do it. We show 360 degree honour. So that means that we honour the people above us, side by side, anyone who might be younger than us or below us. We all honour every which direction and we honour God. And we honour our youth leaders because they're amazing and they serve us. Our family is inclusive of everyone. So... There might be people who come into this place who um, might not be familiar with this kind of environment. They are welcome here. We're inclusive of, of anybody. You know, people that, um, like, we might have people come in here that don't speak our language. Like, how amazing would that be? We're inclusive of them. We'll learn a new language. We'll figure it out. Google Translate will do the job. It's all good. And we also have uh, a key culture of bringing and belonging. That is a really big thing in our culture of being a family, bringing and belonging. That's what we do. We bring people with us, not just here, but we help them enter in. We help them to stop being distracted. Like we don't talk to them during worship or whatever, but we just lead by example. So we bring them in to these moments with Jesus and we create a culture of belonging and we all do that together. It's definitely something that we all take part in. So that really describes our culture of family. And you know what, Alive Youth, I really believe that you already do this quite well because people come here and they say, oh, wow, I really love it here. I had such a good time. I just felt so welcome. That's very common. It's a common thing that we hear. And that is amazing. That is what we want. But I believe that Jesus is saying to us that it's time to level up in this area, that it's time to take this to a new level of how we love, of how we have a culture of family And, you know, Jesus, when he calls us higher, he's calling us to somewhere where he already is. He's not just going to send us out on a limb and be like, good luck with that. He's like, nah, come higher. We're going to do this together because we have more people to reach. We have more people to include. And we want to make sure this family is strong. So that is what the next few weeks are going to be about. I am going to read out a scripture to you. It's in John 13. And this is... Um, the very key scripture for this series called Full House. And so it says, A new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by doing this, everyone will know that you are my disciples or my followers if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying, yes, the Bible already says to love people, but let's go to loving people how Jesus did. And that's a whole other level and that's quite amazing. And that's actually how people are going to know that we follow Jesus because it makes us quite different to what's in the world or what's not in this environment. So I am going to pray and exhale because I have been talking with like one breath, you know. (laughs) Mighty God, we thank you so much for your plans and your purposes, God, that they are even better than we could ever dream, ever imagine, Lord God. And God, we pray in your mighty name, God, let us be open to everything that you want to say to us tonight. God, let us be just totally focused on you, God. 
And God, we just pray against all distraction right now. We tell it to be quiet in the name of Jesus because we only want to hear your voice, God. Thank you that this is a safe place that we can trust you. And God, we just say we love you in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. So good. I've been looking forward to this series quite a lot. Um, It's something that is fun to talk about. Who doesn't like talking about love? Love is good. Does anyone like romantic movies here? (laughs) Just shout out, what's your favorite romantic movie? Like who's... Okay, so funny, funny thing about the notebook. I don't know, what's the one that you like? Safe Haven. Oh, vomit. Okay, uh, so, <laughs> so Pastor Earl and I have both never seen the notebook. I heard some of you call out that that was like a, a bit of a fan favorite over here. So we've both never seen it, right? And Earl has this weird thing about just digging his heels in because we're both stubborn. So, you know, that's, a, that's fun for life, uh, that we're both very stubborn. And so he's like, I'm just never going to watch it. Like, I don't want to watch it. And so I actually bought it for him on DVD, which is very retro, as a gift one time. And so we have it, and I bought it as a joke, and we still haven't seen it. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> do you guys think I should watch it? Is this like a must-see? <laughs> I, I heard some yeses from a lot of varieties of people. I love that. It's good. I heard, look, I heard it gets you in the feels, but like I, I don't like watching movies that make you cry. I'm more of a comedy kind of girl. But anyway, that's all right. I might just have to watch it at the right, the right time. So I love talking about love. And we're kind of hanging out in the book of John a little bit. And John, the gospel of John, John quite liked to write about love. I kind of think John might have been a little bit sappy, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Maybe like some of you notebook fans. And so um, John, he liked to write about love. And he also referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved like the most. So that's pretty funny. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure Jesus loved him a lot. Um, Well, what about, has anyone seen Les Mis? few yeses and a few noes. So, okay, so Les Mis is a musical or, yeah, it's a musical that got made into a movie that's still kind of a musical. And I'm just going to give you like a really short version of the story. So if you haven't seen it, it really doesn't spoil the whole thing for you. And when you have like three and a half hours spare, you dig in and watch it. It's good. So, um, so there's this guy, Jean Valjean. Yes, it sounds like his first and his last name are the same. They pretty much are. And so he... Um, goes to jail for stealing a loaf of bread to try and feed his family. Unfair, right? 20 years or something he has to do. Um, It's pretty nuts. And so when he finally gets out, he is on parole, which means that it's very hard for him to get a job. So this is all very unfair. And he becomes a very desperate man. And he is just, he has to um, report for parole and he's in a desperate situation and things just don't look that good for him. And so he finds somewhere to have a bit of shelter um, for the night and it's in um, like a place where a priest lives and some nuns. And so I'm sure there's a special name for that, but he he goes to a convent. (laughs) Yeah, I knew there was a special name for that. So he goes to a convent, right? And... 
he's sleeping in the barn and the priest comes out and sees this pretty scary looking guy sleeping in the barn and he invites him inside for a warm dinner and gives him a place to sleep. What a guy. What, he's already a pretty nice priest, right? And so let's call him a pastor. Let's just roll with that. He's already a pretty nice pastor. And so Jean Valjean has gotten so desperate that he, instead of just enjoying the warm bed, gets up in the middle of the night and steals all their like silver and all the kind of stuff that would be worth some money. So um, like, yeah, all these, all this silver and stuff. And so he steals it and he creeps off in the middle of the night and the police find him and they bring him back to the convent and they wake up the pastor and they're like, hey, this man stole from you. These belong to you, don't they? And so, and they say, but this criminal says that you gave it to him. So obviously, Jean Valjean's freaked out. He's like, I need to make up a story. So he says that the pastor gave it to him. And in a song, the, the part, because it's musical, <laughs> the pastor says, but yes, my friend, you left so early that you left the best behind and gets out these two massive candlesticks that would be worth so much money, like his prized possession. They're huge. They'd be so heavy, real silver. He says, you left so early, you left the best behind. And he gives it to him. And Jean Valjean is just wrecked because he's like, you have just saved my life. I would have been straight back in prison. I don't deserve this. I don't understand. And he's really shook by it. He so doesn't understand. And then he realizes that um, like the pastor said a couple of things about God and about starting a new life and turning into an honest man and how um, his soul has been saved for God. And Jean Valjean's like, you sure I have a soul? I don't, I'm not convinced. He's, he's feeling pretty not good about himself by this point. And so he just has this revelation and he completely turns his life around and goes and lives a life of love. So he goes and he comes and um, benefits communities. He ends up adopting a girl who's, um, who was really needing a home and he just basically goes and lives this selfless life. And people who did wrong things to him, he shows them grace and he just has this complete turnaround. So he lives, he encounters this incredible grace, this incredible love when he didn't deserve it. And he goes and lives a life of freedom but he doesn't just keep that freedom to himself he goes and actually turns a whole community around and really um and it's a powerful story and so I mean that's the summary so don't feel like you have to watch it now if you don't <laughs> if you don't have three and a half hours but also if you do decide to watch it that might help you understand it a bit better as well because it's kind of French um so it reminds me of this incredible moment in the Bible where Jesus you know, the pastor probably got his inspiration from Jesus, really, because Jesus had the opportunity to really punish someone and he didn't do it. And there was a lot of people watching and he did the opposite of what those people thought he would do. And it's in John chapter 8. So I said we'd be hanging out in, in John a little bit. And so there's a crowd around. And he's teaching them. So there's a crowd. He's teaching them. There's lots of people around. And then all of a sudden, the Pharisees and religious leaders, they're trying to trick Jesus. So what they do is they go and find this woman who is caught in the act of adultery and drags her into the middle of the crowd. So 
Basically, she was um, doing something with a man that she wasn't supposed to be doing. It wasn't her husband. And so she gets dragged into the middle of this crowd. She gets humiliated. And the religious leaders at the time say, Jesus, she has been caught in adultery in the very act. It's not just a rumor like this happened. We have witnesses. And just humiliate her. And the rules at that time said that she... And the man involved, don't know where he was, but both of them actually should have been stoned to death. And so they're like, Jesus, what do you think about this? And they're trying to trick him because they don't really like Jesus that much. And so I love Jesus' response in this because he never does what they think they're going to do. And he kept persisting. At first, he just ignored them. Who's ever tried that as a tactic when someone's on your case? You're just like, just ignore them, just ignore them. So at first, I try that too. And then you just snap and you're like, Ugh. so Jesus doesn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And so they were angry because, you know, when you don't give someone a reaction, they just get more worked up. That's exactly what was going on here. And so they were angry and they kept insisting that Jesus answer their question. So he stood up, looked at them and said, let's have a man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. So he gets up and he says this statement and he doesn't even really wait for the answer. He just goes back to what he was doing, which was drawing in the dust. And so upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman, still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? And looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. How good, right, is Jesus? Oh my gosh, I love him so much. He is just so crazy in love with us. And he really says at that time, hey, you're all in the same boat. Everyone here has at one point or another wanted to do the wrong thing or done the wrong thing or thought about doing the wrong thing. And the only one in that crowd who had never sinned, was Jesus. So according to what he said, he could have picked up a stone and thrown it at her, but he didn't because he chose love. He didn't want to see her hurt and humiliated and broken. He wanted to see her free and to go and live a life of freedom, a life that was better than what she had known and better than what she deserved. Jesus lived a life of love. He died a death for love. He conquered darkness for love. And he set a new culture in that moment. He set a culture for us to pick up and run with. A love of choosing grace over what people deserve. If you were here for a series that we did on culture, you would have heard us say that here at Alive Youth, we are called to be culture setters, not culture getters which means that we are the ones that are taking action, that are choosing responses that are maybe different to what our default would normally be or different to 
you know, you kind of have an urge sometimes to knock other people out of the way so that you can be first or to point out other people's flaws. Like I have that sometimes because it's like it takes the attention off your flaws for 45 seconds and sometimes it makes us feel better. But Jesus has called, called us to set a culture of love and love is a verb. Who knows what a verb is? Who pays attention in English? <laughs> a d- a, it's a doing word. That's a vow. That was so cl- That's all right, Morgan. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so a verb, a verb's a doing word. Bring it back. Means it has an action associated with it. And you know what? As we grow, Alive Youth, and we are growing, and I love that, as we grow in number, as we see more people come into this place, we're going to see people come in who don't know that modest is hottest. <laughs> We're going to see people come in who have never heard of dressing for Jesus and might sound like that would probably sound pretty ridiculous to them. So when they come into this place, we're not calling them any names behind their back you know, we're not saying that they're just come for the attention of boys or something like that. You know, we're not calling them like, I don't even know what boys call each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like in a negative way, I mean. Um, so, I, yeah, we're not, boys, we're not like putting down other guys, you know, girls, we're not, um, there's lots of things that girls say. And, and we're not creating drama. And what this is, is actually spiritual maturity. And we don't do it by our own efforts, but Jesus helps us. Jesus helps us. He empowers us to live different to what our human default would do. You know what? We love because he first loved us. He made the first move. He didn't wait until we had it all together. There was a time when I was the girl at youth wearing really not appropriate clothes. Honestly, I know you can't imagine it. Don't even try. But I was, (laughs) I remember when I swear, I swore once at church and I was like, oh, what have I done? (laughs) I was just like, oh my gosh. Once it was out of my mouth, I was like, how do I undo that? And so, you know, I I was kind of someone who didn't fit in in this environment. But people set a culture of love and included me anyway. And slowly I started to change the way that I dressed. Slowly, you know, not overnight. But I I started to value myself more. That's why. And I started to change the way that I spoke. And there were different things that became important to me. All of a sudden Jesus was important instead of the attention of others. And some things were quicker and some things were slower. It wasn't like overnight I just suddenly fit in with everybody. But people loved me and it led me closer to Jesus. You know, so often I think that there's a lot getting in the way of us loving others like Jesus loved us. And I think a big part of that is because sometimes we are kind of like the woman who was humiliated we're kind of like the woman who was dragged in front of Jesus. You know, maybe we haven't done what she has done. But what we might have in common with her is that 
we've been embarrassed before or we've felt embarrassed in front of God or we have felt like there have been people who act like they're better than us, which is what the Pharisees did, that are kind of pointing at us and laughing at us and looking down at us. So we feel judged like that woman would have felt. Or in that place, we just feel like we're staring down our own insecurities and all the things that we see wrong with ourselves and the way that we judge ourselves. And so the Pharisees or the religious leaders in our situation might actually just be the way that we see ourselves. And so instead of seeing, if you can put yourself into that story, instead of seeing Jesus drawing in the dirt and waiting for it to be just you and him, you just see all the things that are getting you down and calling you names and making you embarrassed about who you are. But what Jesus is doing is he is there waiting for it to be just you and him where he's going to speak life. He's going to speak love. You're going to have a moment with him where he's going to say, live a life of freedom because that is what he said to the woman. He said, go and from now on be free from a life of sin. We don't expect perfection in this place. None of us are perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. But we do expect love. That is what we expect in this place. And you guys do it already. But what we are doing is we are digging deep into this foundation so that when people come in this place who might seem different, might be noticeably different, that they are accepted straight away because Jesus accepted people straight away. He didn't wait for them to get it all together. That lady, that woman in the story, she called him Lord. As soon as you do that, you are in with Jesus. That is it. And no religious leader, no judgment, no embarrassment could take you away from that. He's like, yep, come on, freedom, let's go. Might invite the band back up if that's cool. Here's the thing about that woman. I'm really willing to bet that her life looked different from that point. Because other people just looked at her and saw her mistakes and saw how she messed up. And in that, in that time, in that time that she lived in, there was some pretty hectic rules about what they could do to her because of what she'd done. And we, we don't really live in a time like that. You can get away with a lot more these days. But on the inside, something's still stoning you. On the inside, something's still embarrassing you. On the inside, there's still shame. On the inside, there's still those thoughts that attack you. But Jesus came to conquer all of that. And he defeated it. He defeated every bit of shame, every bit of embarrassment. And if we love because He first loved us, then we need an encounter with His love that fills us up to overflowing. And we need to get refreshed in it and we need to have moments with Him. But here's the thing. 
we can be selfish and unselfish at the same time. Because we can be like, yes, God, I need you so much. Like, let's do this. Let's have this moment. And God is faithful and He will do it and He'll be right there. Like, Jesus is running to you. But it never stops there. It always flows out of you. It always reaches somebody else. Every time Jesus changed somebody's life in the Gospels, they went and told somebody, even when He told them not to most of the time. He was like, oh, don't let that get out. It's not my time yet to be revealed. They'd go tell people anyway. Because you can't help it. When you have an encounter with the love of God, it's not just for you and it won't just stay with you, which is so good. I love that. Ephesians 3 says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power with, together with all Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ and to know His love that surpasses knowledge. I'm believing that tonight people in this room are going to have an encounter just in the next few minutes with the love of God. I want you to ask Him, God, how do you see me? God, I want to encounter your love in a powerful way right now. And you know what? I believe that for some of you, like He's going to reveal maybe how He sees somebody else. For some of you, it might be like, oh, wow, God, I'm really sorry I've judged some people. Because you know what, Alive Youth, there is a flood of young people coming into this place. And we are all a part of setting the culture of love when they get here. And I can see it in your eyes, like you're here for it. Everyone here is a part of this. We're all doing this together, but it starts with us. It starts with us and Jesus. So what I want you to do is if you're saying, God, just reveal more of your love to me. I need an encounter with you. Then just in a moment, I'm going to say, come down the front, worship, have that moment with God. And I want to really ask that you don't interrupt anybody else while they do this. You know, they might cry. That's cool. Jesus can handle the tears. I know it's like nice to go and hold their hand while they cry. But just for the next five minutes, they don't need you to. They only need Jesus. That's it. And if you don't cry, that doesn't mean you're not having a moment with God either. Like everyone's moment with God is going to be epic. So stand up, come down the front if that's you. That was the Alive Youth Podcast. To find out more, visit us at aliveyouth.com.au or follow us on Instagram at aliveyouth.com.au.